Download Rumble. Follow. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, as we take a look at a sort of small story, but well-remembered. And by well-remembered, I mean when I was on the way home from work this afternoon, I saw an ambulance pass, and on the ambulance was the symbol that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, It seems to be everywhere. Um, Tonight, we're going to be talking about the piece of brass that God uh, told Moses to make to help heal the nation of Israel during uh, the account we're going to read here in Numbers chapter 21. And let's go ahead and jump in, and then we will um, take a look at what God has for us. All right, Numbers chapter 21. It starts with um, King Arad of, uh, of Canaan coming in and trying to um, attack the Israelites because he knows that there have been some spies that have come in the land. Um, and God gives the children of Israel the victory because they as a nation have vowed that if you give us the victory, we will completely destroy um, everybody in our path. And that's how chapter 21 starts. Then we get to where we start. And that is verse 5. The people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. I'm going to stop there. Um, we've just been in a time of prayer, but let's, um, let me add my word of prayer to this uh, lesson before we begin. Father, we thank you for how you've brought us here safely and for the many praises we've just heard as a church and the prayer requests that we've been able to offer to you, Lord. pray that you continue to work in those. Um, please, Lord, teach us from your word what you would have us to take home and chew on this evening. And we pray that you would allow us to grow in you as we look tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So the children of Israel have just come off of a huge victory, I would say, as they are traveling and getting near the end of this initial uh, trip toward the, the promised land out of Egypt. And then pretty much when they start going again and having to walk around Edom, because that's, that's the part of the trip that they're in, they start to complain. Now, it's easy to judge, but then when you think about how far they have to walk to get around Edom, you start complaining too, because it's about 100 miles around this place, which if we come from here and go 100 miles in a straight line is Pine Mountain to the east, Rickwood Cavern State Park up north, Bruton, Alabama, if we tried to go south. And uh, I mean, I've already got a hole in my shoe starting to form, so I don't know that I'm ready for this journey. I think back when I had a, a tracker on a smartwatch, I clocked 10 miles uh, one day. It was a busy like school, end of school kind of day. And I looked down at what my Apple Watch was telling me, you know, and it was like, you're an athlete, you know, you went 10 miles, get some water. (laughs) And uh, I can't imagine having to average like 16 miles a day with almost a million people uh, to get where we're going. 
surely there would be someone that complains, right? I mean, if there are, sometimes when there's one person in a room, you're complaining. Uh, and so that's where they, they are. And they start to complain that God, once again, is not providing their needs. And they focus in on not having water. And then they say they have no bread. And then they turn around and say, and the bread that we have is this light bread. All right, so past Drew actually helped uh, present Drew out by writing a note. See Exodus 16. So let me turn there really quickly and just say this. The notes that I have here are another time where they were talking about manna and how, how bad it was. And it seems that whenever the children of Israel's attitude was down and they were negative, it was the manna they attacked. And the manna, when they were having a great time, when it first showed up, it was just like the best thing ever. And Moses, um, God had planned this in order to help teach the children of Israel faith, but uh, they were enjoying it so much that they were trying to hoard it this manna. So it had to be good if you were trying to hoard it. And it's when their attitude changed that the manna is suddenly bad. The manna never changed. It was the people, and it was their attitude that that changed their view. And so here they are complaining again, right after this big mountaintop experience of fighting off their enemy and almost getting to the end of this journey. And as they complain and they follow that pattern, God sends a judgment God sends the judgment of fiery serpents that are actually pretty common to this area. And uh, as I was reading and as I was studying, like back when I was, um, I mean, I don't know when this would have been, my first encounter with this passage or childhood encounters with this passage, besides thinking that the snakes were on fire, the other thing that I always thought about these fiery serpents was like, where did they come from? Was it just like a bunch of sand? And then all of a sudden, snakes. No, it, it's, it was common. They were here. And so now as I've, I've been looking at this, it's like, why didn't we hear more about it? You know, and every day the children of Israel lost 200 to the snakes, you know. Um, it shows that God has had them in his protection this whole time. I feel like I'm giving you these, these thoughts like an auctioneer, but y'all are such great people of prayer that you left me 30 minutes and I studied for like, a series. So I'll try to get what I can do uh, in the time that we have. But these serpents, they were, they were everywhere. And God lifts his hand of protection. Oh, I'm not providing for you? Okay, I'm not providing for you. And here come the snakes. These snakes are called fiery, um, and people have tried to classify, you know, what snakes were they in the area? And classified fiery because of perhaps their copper coloring. Many of the snakes in the area have that kind of coloring. And um, also, they are poisonous. They're, they're venomous, I should say, um, vipers. And so as you have been bitten, the pain that's being inflicted feels like it's burning as you die. And there, there is no remedy, especially for a bunch of people, for a million people that decided to backpack across the wilderness by God's direction. Um, we, where's the stuff? We don't know. So suddenly now, this is a life or death thing. I mean, I've had some life or death experiences, you know, with food in the past, complaining about it, but uh, never to this. So it takes them uh, quite a bit of people dying from these things before they even think to ask Moses that we've sinned, 
We need you to pray to God on our behalf, which is the pattern, by the way. I I just wrote it down so I could uh, have it nearby. The people always seem to complain, and then there's a judgment, and then they beg Moses to intercede, and Moses does, and then God heals, and then they swear they're going to obey, and then they complain, and then, yes. So, I mean, at least they're predictable. (laughs) At least we've got a pattern. I think that's why we are so it's so quick and easy to judge the children of Israel. I can't believe they would do stuff like that. Yeah, when I'm on a hundred mile journey with my shoes and I'm not going to do stuff like that. Um, you're, gonna, you're with me already, but by the end of this, we'll see that once again, uh, this group of people has been put in the Bible as an example for us. The fiery serpents come and... I, to make it a little more personal for you, uh, let me add some fiction. We're going to bring in a, a family of Israelites that, you know, don't exist in the scriptural text, but they were there, they were human, they had ideas. So, as these fiery serpents are plaguing the camp, all of these people have come in contact with Egyptians, they've come in contact with the Canaanites, the Egyptians and Canaanites have home remedies They have ideas, and actually history has preserved for us uh, texts that talk about Canaanite rituals and incantations that they would say to try to ward off these, these vipers. So there were things out there. There were remedies, and maybe in the maybe for these first couple days, as people are not yet understanding, hey, this judgment of God has to go. We need Moses' help. Um, maybe in the the secret of this family's home, they're they're trying to remember the incantation, trying to find their own way to fix the problem. But there's not enough time uh, to see it. Uh, work and these people are dying and I I, I don't like I, I say this every time don't I I don't like to add to scripture but I do I do like to think about hey what would I have done if I were here who are these people and what are they thinking you know because if we don't then they're just a d- bunch of dusty people that you know God moved around and we, we aren't really sure you know they were human it, probably they were doing what we were doing um <laughs> without the culture change, basic human stuff. Let's figure it out. I've got an idea. My grandma over here said this about the snakes. My great aunt said, you know, we always seem to have those things. Finally, they turn to Moses, and this is not even our main text, so I'm flying. Turn to Moses. Moses prays to God, and sure enough, God has a plan. Remember that the Canaanites and the Egyptians, they had rituals, they had magic, they had incantations. And God says, I want you to build a a serpent, a fiery serpent, put it on a pole, and instruct the children of Israel that if they are bitten, they need to look and they will be healed. Where are the incantations? Where is the ritual? I don't even really consider looking at something doing anything right? And neither do doctors. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? I watched a fitness video, so now I am fit. That would be awesome. But this, the instructions come. You cannot do anything but choose to faithfully put your trust in this instruction. Look and live. And they look and they live. I don't know where I got it, but again, in an early, you know, encounter with this, with the, while the serpents were still on fire in my mind, I thought that it took a little while for them to be healed. 
I don't really see that now. Uh, perhaps it was, but I don't think it was. <clears throat> Look at the snake twice every four hours until symptoms improve, right? When you show faith, the reward is your life. And the children of Israel obey. And this snake though it's only a handful of verses in the entire Exodus uh, encounter, this snake goes down in history for some reason as, you know, the saving thing. And that is why we're having this topic at all. Because was it the snake on the pole that healed? It was the copper. It was the bronze, you know. We, we fashioned this thing, and uh, I don't know. I think about those commercials where they have the, the copper, ionized copper wristbands. going to give you energy and save you. They put it into socks now and all of these things. Like, yes, it was. We were all that close that we all lived. No, it was God that did the healing. But... The focus, as we're going to see as we turn right now to a later um, passage of Scripture, the focus after that event, after the cycle was complete and they got healed and they obeyed again for a while, this snake hangs around. They take it with them. And by 2 Kings chapter 18, we see that things have changed uh, for the children of Israel. Turn to what is now our key passage, 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 4 through 6. By this time, the nation of Israel has split into two kingdoms, northern Israel um, and Judah below, and Hezekiah has taken the throne of Judah, and he is a great reformer of the nation. In fact, in Scripture, we talk about, um, in, I believe, verse... It's at the beginning, and I did not write it down because I just meant to gloss over the fact, but Hezekiah is recorded as the greatest of the kings of Judah because of his trust in the Lord and because of the reforming that he does. In the very first verses of chapter 18, he instructs uh, for the high places to be broken down and the groves to be cut down, and he also, in particular, has them destroy the brass serpent. And so it shows up again. Verse 4. He removed the high places, break the images, and cut down the groves, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. He called it Nehushtan. That's the only time I'm going to say it. Mostly because I've only heard it said one way. That, you know, almost Siri style. Strong's H whatever it is. Nehushtan. So I'd have to start like putting it in Siri style every time. I don't know how it inflects in a regular sentence. But the, he's named the brass serpent. They didn't name it. They might have had a name for it, but the name that gets recorded in Scripture translates to the brass thing, which is perfect because it's not supposed to be significant. God could have I mean, God did more with Moses' rod than he did the brass serpent. I mean, Aaron's rod budded and showed the entire nation that he was supposed to be in the high priest position for a time. Uh, so many more magical things, uh, if we can even use that word, were used by God during the time of the nation of Israel uh, getting to the promised land. But then this thing is hung around, and instead of looking at it like it should be, a memorial. Remember when we were so awful? 
that we almost died and God decided that he would have mercy and save us? This serpent that God used? No, now we're praying to the serpent. Let me pause and say again, don't want to be too quick to judge because have you ever been desperate? (laughs) Desperate enough to, you know, maybe that'll work. I don't know. And this time in the nation of Israel was, was a time like that. I mean, in Hezekiah's reign, Assyria is bearing down on them. In fact, we could probably say that Judah at this time, and, and certainly the nation as, as two holes, uh, is definitely like a vassal state of Assyria. Constantly trying to appease them, fight them off for a time. Later in, in the same passage when Hezekiah is king, they're going to um, be invaded and God's going to have to step in. So they were desperate. And the serpent had done something before, and it's been years. So who really remembers what actually happened? Maybe if we burn incense and ask for the snake's help, the snake will help us. I don't know. I don't want to rationalize it too far because the point of the message is not, and let's go find things that might help us. It's that it needed to be torn down because it had taken the place of God. So Hezekiah trusts in the Lord, removes those high places and groves, breaks down the brass serpent, calls it that brass thing, and then continues to work with the nation of Israel, reforming them and bringing them back to a place where God is truly on the throne there. Verse 5 and 6 are the focus. Because verse 5 and 6 are the goals for us. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. This is the goal of the Christian life. From the time that we have accepted Christ's gift of salvation, and we have stepped into that new role of being God's child And we are working through our faith, not through works. Now I have to clarify because I said it like that. But as we are exercising that faith and growing our relationship with God till we meet him in glory, there are going to be many pieces of brass that get in the way. Things even that God has used in our lives, not necessarily idols, right? And in modern America today, you know, we don't, we don't have idols. We have technology, <laughs> right? And I don't want this to be a sermon about the normal idols that you would have in a modern American idol sermon. Because I think that, one, it's been preached recently, and two, we know. So we might not have you know, a statue, and some, some do, <laughs> a lot do. We might not have a statue we check in with every day. We might not have, we might not even consider idols that are in our lives, and that's what the point of this message is. There are pieces of brass that are getting in the way that are not what we would consider idols, but instead are things that God has in our lives for our benefit, but we have allowed them to get in the way of him. I wrote down a few because I can't write down them all because it's anything. Even the way that God gave the Ten Commandments, he said it best, thou shalt not have any gods before me. So check on it. 
If it's before me, it's a false god. It's an idol. So what are some of the things? You probably already thought of some, but I'm going to say two together because it fits perfectly with people who go and then worship a, a brass serpent. Our health and our wealth. And now there's a whole sect of people that claim Jesus, but the whole focus is health and wealth, right? We don't have to ask God. We're just going to believe him for it. We're going to name it. We're going to claim it. And we're going to check our inbox and there it'll be. You're just burning incense to the wrong thing, buddy. (laughs) They may be filling stadiums, but they're not getting what is truly there for the taking. We rely on our financial stability a lot. In fact, um, my wife and I were having conversations about uh, missionaries. Because missionary experiences um, are just so intense. They are the Olympics of Christianity, in my, in my opinion, right? Uh, you never have a constant, unless you're really lucky, blessed. You don't have a constant source of income or necessary provision. If you're going to countries you were not born in and grew up in, you're constantly having to be on the lookout for your health needs. Uh, and, you know, and I'm saying all these things, and I've not been a missionary. And we have missionaries in the audience, so I feel like I shouldn't continue, but you get it, right? There is just so much. It's a whole other plane of Christian living that we don't understand even if we go on a missions trip, we really don't understand. Because <laughs> a missionary is probably sacrificing a lot to keep us comfortable. Like, don't, don't let the modern Americans die on my watch. <laughs> you know, come off the plane and just keel over. Um, and it's happened. But we put a lot of emphasis on our financial stability and the fact that, hey, I don't necessarily feel the need to bring this problem to the Lord because I have this to fall on. And that, that could be a big one because it's reasonable, right? We want to have a financial security of some sort. We have to, but it's God that gave it to us. And we don't need to rely on that. We need to rely on God. Talent. Possessions counts as wealth, but in a different way, right? Similarly to financial stability, Comfort, a big one. And then I really thought about opening up the floor. And I can if you want. <laughs> um, but I, wanna, I think I will because I want to see if you hit any of the deeper ones that I made sure to write down because uh, I've been thinking about this thought for a while. You know how it is. A lot of the things that we end up sharing publicly started as God working on us personally and like, get in here, you've got to learn some things. But what do you think are some other things that, so the the category is, God has them in our lives for our benefit. If we use them correctly, they're great. But use them wrong and they become a hindrance to the relationship. What do you think? Taylor? Career. Yeah. Yeah. God is, I mean, even back to financials, God is giving you a way to 
store up stuff so that you're okay and so you can give it out. Um, but then we miss church because we have to get to work. We have to, we have to climb that ladder and we miss the whole thing. What did you say? Internet. Okay. Yeah. I would say that we, um, I'm going to put that in the realm of technology. Like we joked about earlier, we don't rely on him because we think we can figure it out. What else? Success. Yeah. Right. So for the people watching by video, success. And the fact that um, it could be a really good thing, but then it starts to bleed your time away and um, your ambition and passion as well. And your energy gets involved in that. And suddenly you look up and it, uh, it's, it's gotten too big. It's become something that's been more of a distraction than, than a help. And I want to bounce off that and say, um, past life experiences, just quickly, uh, have you ever met someone that, you know, it's been 30 years since that big thing? And uh, that's kind of where they drew the line. Like everything in the rest of their life has to harken back to that thing. Um, we can get distracted by that. All right, I'm going to take one more and then I'm going to say a couple. Yes. Relationships. Want to explain? Absolutely. In fact, now we're going to go into my list because Hunter's been reading it. Um, one of the things that I wrote down that was really heavy hitting for me, um, because I tend to do that, influential people that God has brought into your life. Maybe they were discipling you or they were a mentor or, uh, and suddenly now, uh, or they were a, a scholar and suddenly now you really look to them first. It's a subconscious thing, but like, it's them and God. Let me take you to two verses. You don't have to turn there, but Acts eleven fourteen, when Paul and Barnabas have gone into um, Iconium, I believe it is, and then on into um, a town near there, and they, they've just performed a miracle, and the people have a temple uh, to Jupiter nearby, and they start saying, you know, you know, Barnabas, man, he's probably Jupiter reincarnate, and Paul talks more than him, and so he's Mercury, and they start to worship them as gods, and in verse 14, this is where Paul and Barnabas are like, whoa, 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 we're just guys, we're just, we don't have the power to do that, God does, we're just a couple of guys. If they had the sermon notes, we're just pieces of brass, right? Joseph has said that too with the interpreting dreams. Daniel said it as well. Like, it is not us. It's the Lord. Um, but yeah, especially, I would say also with the rise of our ability to connect and hear more people, that influential people trap has just grown. Be, uh, I mean, even in the Christian world, we have access to so many great teachers, 
that the gift of celebrity kind of comes back to bite us. Okay? How about this one? And we only have four minutes, so this is probably going to be the last one. But a ministry that a ministry or a ministry technique that has worked, you know, God has just blessed it and poured into it and it grew and everyone, it was, it was going the right places and everyone was on board. And as the years went on, they started to cling to that more than they clung to the relationship that God had started in them. And, and suddenly now we're just holding up this skeleton of a thing, unwilling to change. And that's like, <laughs> unfortunately, that's the whole issue of too many people, no, not enough people, too many churches that pastor was talking about a week or so ago up in Canada. Oh, that's here too. I, I know it's Wednesday night, and I am not someone that would say this in a way to guilt people. You've got your life, right? And it's a choice of what you need to do, but... If we were barring, you know, life difficulties that kept us away, if we were taking away all of those distractions and focused on the relationship with God, even on a Wednesday night, wouldn't you think there'd be more people? And I'm not counting. (laughs) We're lucky to have one because Pastor Danny put my Facebook slide up and said, hey, guess who's preaching? And you all had the choice to stay home. So we're blessed with what we have. And we are not judging the people that are not here for not being here. That's between them and God. But, I mean, nationally, the state of the church is in peril. Because we're just holding up something that's not it. And I think people that are new to it are seeing that and they're leaving. Right? Um, And so this one was actually big um, for me. This was the first heavy-hitting piece of brass that God put in my way because, you know, ministry is a lot. <laughs> it's, it's everything. It could be anything, right? How we conduct the service, what time we conduct the service. Churches have split over that. Curtains, carpet, who is preaching, what they're preaching about, how long they're preaching. We've had people leave churches before because they couldn't get to lunch on time. See ya. <laughs> I need I need my Shonies, and then Shonies goes out of business. Ha ha! Did you really? The church is still open. <laughs> this one, this topic, is one to chew on. We've only listed ten things that could be potential idols in our lives, and not even the idols that everyone thinks about. So. As we wrap up, the goal is to examine our lives like Hezekiah examined the state of the nation. Look at things that God has in your life and look at things that you are subconsciously putting in front of him. Uh, I'm thinking of one right now just because of where we're at in our lives, but there's a lot of times where I have to fight really hard to say yes to God because of time. Time is what I'm currently wrestling, bringing to him. You know, everyone gets 24-hour days. We've heard that before. I understand that. (laughs) I just move slow. (laughs) But um, that's one that that I'm working really hard to not say anymore. 
I don't have time to, especially if it's a um, ministry-related or something that has eternal benefit request. I have time for that, right? But we're going to stop at this point. We're going to go ahead and close in prayer, but take this with you. I really hope it was of benefit. It has been of benefit to me. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to melt down. And uh, every time you do it, though, you're going to be brought closer to God because one less thing's going to be in the way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much again that even in the, the small details of your word, there's just so much truth and that you never let us get away with some of this stuff. Um, but you have brought uh, a record of something that has happened in the past that's happening in our lives today. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to avoid those traps of raising things up and relying on things over you. And we pray that as we are examining our own hearts, you would bring to light those things that are just pieces of brass in our lives that can be easily gotten rid of to deepen our relationship with you. Dismiss us with your blessing, Lord. Help us to have safety on the way home. In Jesus' name, amen.